I mean, there's so many opportunities to dip a toe in what this umbrella of sex work is that I'm sure a lot of people would do well at and realize that they don't need to go whatever distance it is in their mind that they think comes along with sex work. I mean, like, it's becoming such a regular thing. Just being in quarantine, the amount of people signing up for OnlyFans, the amount of people turning to that opportunity to be making their money. I mean, especially every girl I know who's out of a strip club job, OnlyFans, 100%. But other people too, not just like striptease artists, not just, uh, you know, hot bottle service girls. Other people are getting them as well. People that don't have any experience in it whatsoever. I hope this means we see a change, perhaps in public opinion. I don't know. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to A Mouthful with Laura and Romy. That's right. It's our quarantine edition. We've got we're still trapped in quarantine, but we're almost at the end. Like, I mean, knock on wood, like, because it is what's today. And we make sure I have the day right, because I don't know what today is always in this, this quarantine life. It is Saturday the 9th. And That's apparently right. they are saying still that the LA lockdown should be to a degree lifted, knock on wood, on the 15th. Hello everyone, Romy Rain here just to give you a quick update. Unfortunately, Los Angeles did not open up on May 15th and we are told a degree of the lockdown will be extended until possibly July. We're starting to open up slowly but surely, but we are definitely not given the go-ahead to shoot naughty movies yet. And even worse, the border for Canada and the U.S. is shut down for travel until at least June 21st. But we'll do our best to keep you updated. Back to the show. What's it like in Canada? Uh, we do not have promise of anything opening up on the 15th. However, this weekend, and I believe the same as in Los Angeles, curbside pickup is available for retail and other shops. Like, so now not just essential, but other things are starting to open. And someone actually sent me a photo of Melrose and Fairfax, what it looks like in Los Angeles today, now that curbside pickup is allowed. And can you believe it? These sneaker heads have just risen from the crypt and they are lined up to make sure they get those sneakers. Cause I'm sure they're gonna be showing them off to everyone, right? Oh yeah, I mean, well, Instagram is very popular nowadays. Right. So funny. Oh my god, I, I saw that. that the the cannabis cafe is doing like curbside pickup for both food and cannabis, which is kind That's of so smart. It's so smart. I actually did curbside pickup the other day. I was going to make some cocktails at home. And so I needed a couple special like bar tinctures and, and, um, I don't know, bitters and shit like that. Yeah. Right. So there's a great place in Toronto and, uh, they actually were open for curbside pickup only. And this was like surprising because I, this was during the non-essential, but it, they, I guess were deemed essential. Anyway, so I go over there, I drive my van over there and I park and I'm waiting outside like, what the hell, did someone snatch my package? How does this work? Mm -hmm. So I called them and I'm not even joking. It was like the guy comes out and goes as far away from me at the door and is like, are you Laura? And hands me my package. I love that. Yeah. I've ordered a delivery cannabis, like shout out Weed Maps, y'all are awesome. 
um, where you can find like every uh, spot that delivers. And like when the weed guys show up, they're all wearing masks and gloves and are the most polite people. And yeah. they're saying it's a great gig to have right now, like uh, the Instacart deliveries, like everybody's tipping very generously nowadays if they can. No, I'm feeling that too. I'm also feeling there has been some recent creativity from people that is starting to look hopeful. And what I mean by that is, uh, a friend of mine here in Toronto who does these incredible, beautiful burlesque portrait photo shoots, whatnot, all kinds mm -hmm. of artistic projects, started doing virtual shoots. Ooh. And you think, how the hell is that possible? So get this, I'm in my house and they Skype in or they, I think it was a, a Facebook messenger go on Facebook Messenger and do screen grabs. Yeah, oh my God, I've seen that. You know? Some look really good though. And that's, what I, that's what I'm happy about. I'm like, this is what we need more of. We need more people like my friend Sly Maria who just has found a way to be creative and make it exciting to look at, exciting to be a part of. I got hopeful about that shit. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love how people are really adapting. Like once we kind of got over like the sucks, this is sad, this is crazy. Now it's like, okay, well, what do we do? Right. Like, how do we keep working. How do we keep our minds occupied? Keep making yes. me keep morale. Yeah. Have um, you become a workaholic though? You know, it's interesting. <laughs> it, like yes and no. I've been uh, finally doing things that I've been putting off, like things that take hours of time at home. Like I finally set up like my 3DO microphone with like my mixers and connected all like the, the wires and the download everything that on the computer. And it just, it takes hours to really do properly and to learn how to use new equipment. Like I You are so tech support as well as like the I, hottest babe ever. Because <laughs> you know why? Honestly, that I've considered that like a really important skill for me to learn because that's usually what's outsourced. And that's usually right. It took other people so long to do and it's like well you know if we as performers can figure out like how to set up a microphone and how to set up a light and what editing software is the best like and part of the game and to inspire people out there Romy how hard really is it it's not that difficult right you just have to like put some time into it and actually learn it Yes. Yeah. It, everything takes time. That's really what, what it is. Like you just yeah. kind of have to commit to sitting down and like figuring out all like the bells and whistles of like, just like every platform too. If like you're yeah. on OnlyFans or YouTube, like how are you really going to make this worth your while? Like how do you actually edit videos and Figure distribute it them? It's really interesting. But the more you can combine together, it, it all is one thing to another. This is kind of why like for, for today's episode, like these are kind of topics I really wanted to touch on for a while. Like I really want to, to talk about this at some point, you know, in our studio, but you know, quarantine, we're far I apart. I know. Oh, so close, but so far that just how, how connected all those worlds are like the the dancing world to the cam worlds to the social media influencer world like if you're smart and you're active in one of those branches you're active in all of them and here's what i see is kind of becoming a reality to people is that if you've avoided things like social media for your business now you're realizing how essential it is because how on earth in a current state like we are right now do you expect to reach your audience your market whatever it might be like you need to be using these platforms you need to be using all of your online uh wits you know yeah. to apply it to keep your business alive right now yeah so people who used to be i don't have time to do that or i don't think social media is you know worth worth it for me how else everyone is doing it now 
No, it's true. Then it's like, then, then what's worth it? Like we talk about Instagram being your new resume, like YouTube are your new personal diaries. Like you kind of have to be a part of this stuff, especially if you want to grow your brands and business, like promoting fan zone or only fans. Like how are people going to know that you're there if you're not talking about that, like on your Instagram? Like, right. I mean, we just, we have to realize that the one thing that will survive during a situation like a global pandemic is online communication. Yeah. So we need to be good at it, at least good enough to like be able to do the regular job we would be doing, but having it handled over an online transaction, an online meeting, confrontation, whatever it might be. You know? And how do you feel about like, cause this is one of the things I really wanted to talk about is that somebody who did a lot of work in the clubs, like you're a burlesque dancer, you help uh, uh, book girls for clubs and all these different varieties from fetish to just erotic. Oh, yeah. And I started as a stripper too. Do you see like a big transition from like the public to online? Or do you think the, the public thing's always going to be there? It's we're never like, are, is club world ever going to die? I, I don't think it's going to die. I know that there'll be changes. There'll be a different experience. And yes, future generations will look back at the club life that we had the privilege of being a part of and we'll say that's barbaric. Like they really <laughs> will. But the truth is, is that we need that as human beings. And I've worked in all kinds of nightclubs, whether I am programming some kind of erotic spectacle, which I did for years, or whether I am the performer myself, and it's a more intimate, you know, uh, a burlesque experience, whatever it might be, like, people need human live entertainment. I believe that I have to. <laughs> what about you? Do you do you have a different experience when you perform for a live crowd versus like a digital crowd? I did a Zoom striptease the other day, and it was the most bizarre thing on earth because you, you didn't hear anything. You know, I had it muted so that I couldn't hear that. I didn't want the interference, but you don't get any of that energy from them whatsoever. There was maybe 10 or 12 people in the room. I came in in a burlesque costume. I literally Zoom busted their meeting, and I did a little striptease for them. And usually as you're starting to take your clothes off, you can feel that nervousness and that excitement. I couldn't feel any of that. Oh, got it. Yeah, like the anticipation, yeah. like the, the excitement, like the roar of the crowd when they finally see your nipples. That's it. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I kind of had to summon that for myself. I mean, there was a couple uh, guys that would come up to the front of their webcam or whatever, and they had like money in their mouth and it was funny, but also not because bitch, I can't reach through and grab that, oh. you know? Like, like you want, you want to maybe like uh, put that in like an e-transfer for me or something. Cause I can't get at that. So you're yeah. not getting any special attention. <laughs> so funny. And what when was it like that transition? Cause where you were in the, the club world kind of before you started doing things like fan zone and social totally, media. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting putting the kinds of performances that I like to do in live experiences into a video clip format. You know, like I, I like to work angles with my body when I'm on a stage, especially if I'm strip teasing, I love to use my limbs and my length. And now I'm shooting that shit and holy hell, I have to be aware of framing it properly. Then I'm editing it. I want it to still have that excitement that I feel I can convey on stage mm -hmm. and I, it, I'm still learning it. You know, I'm still learning. When did you kind of start that transition? Like, when did you finally be like, oh, fuck it, fine. I'll get an Instagram. I'll get like a, a premium site after yeah, it was, dancing. 
It's been an evolution. It's been an, a definite evolution, but I really wanted to tour when I was uh, a, like a strip teaser here in Toronto and I wasn't getting out of the city enough. I wanted to tour and I knew that I needed to have an online social media presence because it's what really branches us all as, you know, earthlings. You're able to reach people internationally and maybe even appeal to them in a way that, you know, you can get the tour bookings. I hadn't, I had no experience as a touring artist, but I wanted to go to Europe and be, you know, a cabaret star. And I made it happen. Yeah, I needed to do the online, I needed to do the online work though, to build that. Yeah. So it was, that's where that started for me. And then obviously becoming more of a, a TV personality with Naked News. Oh man. You know, it just you becoming a dancer. I don't even know, like, how did you get into like the dancing burlesque, like erotic world? Did you oh, tell me? Uh, I was living in New York City and I loved climbing onto bar tops whenever I was out in the Lower East Side. I dated some DJs at the time who would always be like, look, you're hot. I need you in the club. <laughs> and so, you know, you go out to the club and I would just cause a scene and I loved it. And that, you know, pushed me to pursue burlesque. I met a couple of the amazing performers in New York and then I kind of crafted my own burlesque character, my own performance style. And as I continued exploring that, I wanted to do more. I wanted to go deeper. Fast forward years later, I'm programming erotic content on a stage in downtown Toronto. And I mean, pushing it erotic content. So yeah, so it's been, it's been a journey, but I think that I've just really embraced exploring how sexuality makes people react. And you need a live audience for that. That's so true, especially when you like think about things like uh, like live sex shows or like fetish shows or, you know, like that time you said that you shaved your head on stage, like that's yeah. something you really do need like a live audience for. You really do need a live audience. There's something about it and that cannot be replicated. And I really thought that this hungry Zoom chat was going to be all, you know, drooling and I would feel that. I, I must have been just so excited to be performing again. You just automatically think that goes with the package. You're going to have someone applauding. <laughs> I'm, sure they were. I'm sure they were just at right all. i'm sure but it looked like this well because their hands are like below here you know they're doing right, right. exactly exactly like that. <laughs> you know, like one hand. it's hard to clap with one hand that's right it really it really really is but it's been it's been a lot of it's been a lot of exploring and having to in many ways, and I'm sure you can relate to this, not everyone agrees with exploring sexuality in a public forum like art, like a live performance. You know, you tell yeah. people that this is what you do and it fulfills you and they don't always agree with it. No, that's true. How do you feel about the term, uh, especially back then, sex worker? Because there was like another interesting online debate with like porn girls not liking the term sex worker because I think it sounds like they're, they're escorts and right. strippers don't like the term sex worker because it sounds like they're porn stars. But I consider it like an umbrella kind yeah. of like supportive word that we're kind of all of this together. No. How do you feel about the term sex worker as like just a, when you were just a dancer? Did you can, would you have considered yourself one? I, when I was just a dancer, in many ways, and I've said this before, even in season one, first of all, there are a community that mean everything to me. So many of my dear friends are sex workers to this day. Um, I think it, it, it's a certain kind of person in particular that, you know, wears that proudly. What I would be doing on stage would be performing art uh, with the intention to arouse. You know, in a way, I feel that there is uh, at least a shared stream with sex workers in what 
uh, I was doing. Absolutely. You know, like me coming out on stage to Lil' Kim's How Many Licks, putting a bottle of champagne on the stage floor and lowering myself onto it. Is that, like, that's kind of, you know, we're talking about some sexy stuff. And I used to do that because it was, you know, an exciting art to create and to watch have a reaction in the room. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I mean, you know that I feel the same way. I don't think that sex work automatically means like male penis into female vagina. Like really, that that's it? Like, come on. We're Here's the thing that like really pisses me off about the public understanding of sex workers is that automatically, even in this day and fucking age, their minds go to the woman who is doing it uh, against her will, the woman who is uh, forced and given no other options but to proceed in this life, the woman who is not under her own control and her own governess, the woman who is, you know, beat down in an alleyway and yeah. this is taken from her. And that is so wrong. Yeah, it's like, it's, doesn't, it's not automatically sucking dick for money. That's usually it's, what it's, it's really not. And, you know, having pride in things like being a strip teaser, being a stripper, you know, those are very interchangeable. Yeah. Um, being, being an erotic entertainer, these are supposed to be beautiful steps that help the public understand and start to open their mind to what might be in the umbrella of sex work and that it is a valid experience, industry, you know, job. Yeah. So it's what irks me the most. You know, you talk to people and automatically you can see the, the disdain in their face when they hear that term. Oh, yeah. And they just automatically think it's like negative. Right. Like, right. No, I'm not. Or it's like it's a hierarchy. Like, no, no, no. I'm not a sex worker. Right. I'm just a porn star. I'm like, what? right. <laughs> All right. But again, it's, it, but it's an interesting to hear everybody's different opinions on that and why it either affects them negatively or not. Because yeah. usually if they're offended by that, there's a reason for it. And it's, right. it's interesting to kind of uncover why. And uh, like our guest today, I'm really excited to talk to. We both know a little personally. Yes. Uh, she's awesome. Just say Raya Sunshine, the Ooh. incomparable. But she herself is a content creator, uh, an exotic dancer, feature dancer, traveling the country, and a big YouTuber. She has a very big YouTube following where she is vlogging while she's on her trips and like right. the entire experience. So she's really one of those people that combines like all of these factors together for her brand but she's not a porn star like her and i did something of like a softcore kind of girl 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 like she calls it like her first lesbian three-way <laughs> but for me it was softcore <laughs> <laughs> so so like so in my mind it's like you know here's a girl that is not afraid of the word sex worker who doesn't even do porn never escorted to my knowledge and is very comfortable with these terms and is very about that life and can also shows too that you don't have to be a porn star or take dick to elevate your brand and to get known and to get seen and to be popular. Like she's a very well-known, highly respected, very followed entertainer who has never taken dick on camera. It's very cool. Wow, a real life Wonder Woman, everybody. She really does it all though. I mean, she really is an incredible human being and I am so pumped to get her in here today. Mm -hmm. You guys are like running around naked on the streets for a while. You have like your own little thing together. Yeah. That that's right. We sure did run around on the streets naked. We did that in Toronto for Naked News. But yeah, no, she's a lovely person. Yeah. All right, let's just zoom her on in, let's here. Get her in here. Let's zoom her in here, goddammit. Let's go. Technology these days, huh? <laughs> you look like you're in cotton candy land. It's beautiful. Yeah, my camera room, you know, like the colored lights and everything. So. You have a whole room in your house set up just for content and cam, right? 
Mm-hmm. I'll show you. It has a pole. Oh. Um, I can't even see what you're seeing. It also has my sex doll, my my replica. Oh yes, <laughs> that's always an interesting uh, conversation starter. But no kidding. <laughs> That's nice. That's a nice little room. I, I dig that. That's actually very valuable in what we do, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, it's my sexy little lair. And it's kind of fun because I do love the strip club. I love performing. I love dancing. So whether I'm doing like, you know, a more like pornographic adult type cam show or I'm doing like, I can also do strip club style, like, you know, strip on the pole, dance, all that stuff. So it's fun. Raya, have you become a workaholic because of this? I mean, you live where you can create and work. I mean, are you, are you just working right through it? Yes. What do you mean because of this? Because of the job or because of quarantine? Uh, So (laughs) I already was a workaholic. So (laughs) now actually like, because I'm not featuring, it's like, I actually, it's really nice. I get some relief. Like I have time to do everything. I feel like almost, (laughs) I still do a lot, but it's nice to be able to like do that and not, and I, I actually have a routine for my week. Oh, wow. Like, where I, and I even take a day off now. It's crazy. Before it's so like I, you're traveling every other weekend. It's always different. Your sleep schedule's off, your everything. So now it's like, oh, wow, I don't have anywhere to go. And for me, I'm actually, I have to admit, I'm kind of relieved because <laughs> I'm a total introvert. So <laughs> I, like to me it's like stressful like i love love people but i'm also really shy and like introverted and so i am it's like stressful to like do things outside of the house so now i get to you know like i'm like what am i gonna wear like i should i should look good but i'm like oh no it's quarantine winter homes it's okay you can wear what you always do so like normally i'd have to like dress up you know like in real people clothes you know and pretend <laughs> like i left the house <laughs> that day but now it's like oh it's okay it's okay to be me yeah I love that I mean it is kind of there has been that little moment of like oh it's nice to not have to interact with people because as much as we love what we do like all three of us are such personal jobs we're interacting with people on such a constant basis like physically even so like that this little break is wow I can just like masturbate for two months at home crazy yeah I mean (laughs) you, you two can definitely cheers each other on the being happy to be home thing i can't agree that's okay i'm sorry i I just i miss human beings so much and flocks of them (laughs) hordes of them i miss big gatherings of them and and all the heat that comes off them like i'm i'm really missing that yeah Laura very much misses that club world life right yeah, now. Yeah, actually, I really do. We were talking about it earlier. Uh, there's nothing like having that live audience there. And regardless of what your stage show is, we all know what that feeling is like when it's taken away because we're going through it right now. So, like, Rhea, what what's the experience been converting all of your, say, you know, show material into a virtual format? Yeah, well, I mean... I've always done, you know, a lot of camming and video sales and everything. So I was already doing that, um, you know, I'm on OnlyFans, all the platforms. And actually last week I did one of my feature routines, my cop routine on my OnlyFans as a live stream. So that was really fun uh, to kind of bring the strip club to my fans. So I've been doing that. Um, You know, I did talk about how it's nice not to leave the house, but... I do love featuring so much and 
it was what you're saying. I love performing. Um, I love, love, love it. Like I could be naked on a stage in front of thousands of people, no problem, but like have me go talk to somebody and I'm like nervous. <laughs> you're a performer. Like you put it on a show. Yeah. <laughs> but so I do love that and I do miss that. I definitely the one benefit is like not the travel. I'm really realizing how taxing that is on my body and my just like well-being. It's it's a lot to travel often and have a changing schedule all the time. So that's been nice. But yeah, otherwise just working more online. But doing that feature number, the cop routine that you did on OnlyFans, I'm sure that you have an entire legacy of memories going through doing that for a live audience. So doing that virtually, did anything change about the performance itself? Did you feel a little less of that thunder? Did you like, like, what was that going through you? Sure, sure. I guess it was a little fun just because it's different in one sense where I knew that I only had one viewpoint to perform for, which I wouldn't necessarily prefer, but it was just something different, like where I knew. Because, you know, when you're performing on a strip club stage, you're, you're kind of catering, you're looking out over the audience, you're catering kind of in a big way to everyone in the room. Then you're also thinking about the one person's right in front of you that you're motorboating. And then you're thinking about like right after when you hit like a big, you know, part of the song and you arch back and like your head goes all the way back by your feet and then you make eye contact with someone on the other side of the stage. So you're like pulling in all these directions. And so this time I'm like, okay, I got one camera, okay. So, you know, I also feel like it doesn't really capture the magic as much as being a person. I mean, you can't feel the motorboat. <laughs> no, and like, you know. Yeah, I feed off of the money too. I mean, they were tipping, which is awesome. Love my fans. But like the physical, I just love the nitty gritty, like, totally. like I love all of that in the strip. Yeah, I love that. Too. Like people are, like Laura was saying earlier too, like people were, you can't hear the cheering of the crowd. You can't hear the whooping when they see your boobs. If they're trying to hand you a dollar bill in their mouth, you can't reach out and grab it. But but it is that perk of being like, well, you know, if I, if I don't feel like interacting with people and I don't want to be touched in any type of way, I can do a virtual strip show. Not quite the same, but I, I always think of like camming as like the online strip clubs where like, especially like the shy guys who maybe like can't go to a club or don't want to, or to sit there all day and find their favorite girl and talk to, they can like anonymously sit behind a screen and go doot, 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 and just find their perfect one. Yeah, which they do. It's the guys are uh, tend to be looking for favorites and company. It's interesting. Well, it's less confrontational than it's ever been before. You don't need to physically be in front of the person, and that yeah. brings such relief to all of those nervous people who want to have that exciting, thrilling, sexy experience, but they don't want to be physically in front of someone physically. Mm -hmm. That's too intimidating. I hope we don't lose that culture, however, because of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Do you think yeah. the world's going to change? Like, Rhea, have you been rebooked yet for stuff in the future? What is the, the feature dancing world like right now? For me, I've been told that they want to rebook, but I think because, like, no one even knows when they're going to open. And let's face it, like, I, I fucking love strip clubs, but they are, like, the dirtiest place. Like, when you think of the worst like business to open back up it's like we're rolling naked on a stage that had girls heels on it that like have walked outside and like you know who knows what stepped in beer we're rolling around on it and then there's many who you know like who knows where that's been so yeah 
don't know. So who knows when they'll open up? Um, but I've been told they want to rebook. I'm there as, as soon as it's like, you know, safe and all kosher to do so. I'm totally there, but I do fear for the industry a little bit, you know, with, you know, it's funny, you talk to strip clubs and and one of the, the owner's managers will say like, you know, oh, ever since the internet, like, you know, right. it's not as popular. It's not like the golden days, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, that in porn too. Like, oh, it's not like the old days, the internet ruined porn. Like, it's exactly. not really, yeah. but- so are we going to be talking like, oh, you know, before COVID, before COVID? Well, that's what we'll all be saying is there was a time when this was, you know, the afterlife, going to the strip club. What the hell are strip clubs going to look like after this? PPEs everywhere, people in shields and shit, like what, three dudes in the room instead of, you know, 300? It's just insane to me to think how the hell that specific industry is going to survive this and transform. I'm scared. I want to see people walking in with like just sanitizers, like while the entire night's going on. I want crew to just come in every three hours. Did you see with that? There was there was the tech conference in Las Vegas, one of the big ones, like the new new inventions, new designs in tech, and they had robot strippers. And this was a story that obviously Naked News covered and a couple other networks, just just a couple. And um, and so robot strippers. I'm like, wait. (laughs) We heard about these things a couple years ago. Maybe this is the time the robot strippers come in and they start running the clubs. I don't think our jobs. They're gonna take our jobs, ladies. I mean, I hope I have such fond memories of the club though. I mean, like I like dancing was one of the first things I started doing when I was 19. And almost like especially too, I hate to say almost before I got into porn and that kind of stuff. It was it was a very interesting ecosystem to be involved in. Like it's such a wild little world, but you are also anonymous and you can make your own rules. And I was a different person every night sometime. I would put on fake accents and just screw about. I found some of the best music I've ever discovered in the strip club. So I like I a part of me will be very, very attached to like the strip club world. You, you know what? You know what? I really need to hear from both of you. Um, who you were when you first got into stripping? Can you tell us who that person was? Like Raya, before you know, you you're sitting to where you are now when you first got in there. Baby Raya. What, what, what was the baby Raya stripper like? Oh Lord. Okay, so <laughs> I just crawled out of the screen. If you're listening. I love Baby stripper Brea, I had no idea when I first, first started, because I started as a house dancer, which is like a, a regular stripper, not a feature dancer. So um, I started as a stripper. I had no idea. I had been a dancer before and a performer before. And I always liked really taboo things. And I, but I'd never like spent much time in strip clubs. I didn't really know much, but I thought this would be rad. I started into pole dancing. I'm like, it'd be so cool to make money off of this. It's only going to be young once, whatever. So I came in with this like, bright-eyed mindset of like, I like to dance dirty and and I'm, I'm gonna dance on the stage and like, you know, try to make money and see what happens. So like, I go in, I say hi, the, the manager, there's like a little shoe, ba- shoe box of a back room, like a serious, uh-huh. like, sh- no offense, but it shouldn't be legal. <laughs> No shade to that club because you know, so I still have like um fans that are like, Oh, I remember you from those days. So oh, wow. Yeah, no. yeah, it's so cute, like the real ones. But um, anyways, the manager introduces me, hey, you know, this is Brad. And then I'm like, hi, I didn't get your names. And they just look at me. Aww. And I'm, you know, I'm like, 
I didn't know. I didn't know better. I'm like trying to be nice. Norm, like basically how a normal human would act at the first day of the job. But you can't do that in a strip club. That's not how these things work. It's, it's like a hazing process. You got to know. And, you know, sure enough, like, you know, I'm a nice person. But a few years down the line, I saw new strippers come in. Hi, what's your name? And I'm like, oh, no. Like, oh, God. <laughs> it's totally like that, the circle of life, man. Circle of life. It is. It is. And it's like this whole process to fit in. But um, actually, I can describe my first stage set, too. It's great. So I started. It was a really slow night, the first, the first <laughs> night of work. It happened to be very slow. But I go, and I pick my music, and I'm walking up to the stage, and I'm like, okay, my first one. And I actually wasn't that nervous to perform on stage. I was more nervous to talk to people and give lap dances. Um, but I'm like, okay, there's one person sitting on the stage. So I'm like, okay, there's someone there. That's good. That's not embarrassing. So I go on the stage, start dancing, kind of having fun, getting into it. Of course, it's like dead. So all the seasoned strippers are just sitting there staring at me. <laughs> and then I go to dance for the one guy who hasn't put any money up. Um, and then I realized that he's like sinking onto the bar. <laughs> he's falling asleep, going in and out of passing out drunk. I think he was actually homeless, oh, um, but he wakes up for like air drums. So he's like conking out and then he like perks up and does a <laughs> and then like fades down. And that was my first stage <laughs> I think someone like came up and threw seven dollars to be like nice, but yeah, that that was it. I'm like, okay, seven bucks, all right. <laughs> Holy shit! Do you remember what songs you danced to? Your first set? I don't remember exactly. Um, it was through this jukebox uh, like system. You had to be your own DJ at the club, and it like freaked me out. So it was really like whatever I could find. Um, because I was so scared, like it was so hard to use their system. So I was right. so afraid of that. And it was a first impression, Rhea. <laughs> yeah, well, I was afraid of that thing for at least a year. Like it, it was, it was scary. <laughs> oh God. Name was always Rhea? Were you always Rhea in the club? Um, yep, always, always, yeah, wow. yeah. Rhea Sunshine. Wow. <laughs> well, Romy, who were you when you first started? I was actually Rain. My, yeah, my last name in porn is the name that I started dancing as. But there's always a Rain in a strip club. Like, I was lucky it was available. Um, <laughs> what was Rain like? Uh, you know, she was, she was a little shy, too. I think, you know, everybody, the little baby strippers. But I always, uh, I had a lot of energy on stage because the vet girls would make fun of me. Because uh, they would be like, yeah, yeah, I was like that too when I was new. Because I'd be like whipping yes. my hair. I would be acting like I was the feature, like the way the features dance as Raymond. Because it's much more of a show and you're not even if you're dancing at the time. So, yeah. So I was like 19-year-old Rain. And I remember the outfits I would wear all the time too. Because like some girls would either change every single day uh, or wear specific outfits all the time. I was a specific outfit all the time. Because like back I'm like, oh, this works. I like it. This is me. Uh, I would either wear a fishnet dress with a push-up bra and a thong underneath, or I would wear a long sleeve uh, white men's t-shirt unbuttoned right below the cleavage and a push-up bra. So you saw just like tits, white t-shirt, and it would work. Oh, like, yeah. I was not the most naked girl in the club, but like guys like kind of like a aesthetic, especially if you have an outfit or a vibe. But uh, what I always have to admit and tell people that my kind of secret weapon when I was a little house dancer is I worked day shift, believe it or not. 
a lot of people were, were like, eh, meh, meh, meh. but like a good house dancer knows that you can find some whales in the day shift and yeah. strip club lingo for whales means person with a lot of money and willing to spend it. And usually if people are coming in during the day shift, like they're uh, men who actually have jobs and families, usually good jobs, and they can't break away on a Friday night with 20 other guys. So they come okay. in the day on their lunch break and spend a fucking hour in VIP with their favorite girls. So that was, that was Romy as the stripper from like 19 to 21. I worked day shift more than night shift. And like, I was a goody two shoes. I showed up on time. I stayed yeah. late. My club didn't serve liquor because it was full nude in LA. It was actually foreplay. Shout out foreplay in LA. Yeah. Still open. Uh, but yeah, I was a little bit of a, a goody two shoes stripper, to be honest. But I played a lot of rock music. I was always the rock rock girl. Oh, for sure. Duh. That's what I think. No, that's what all three of us are here. Yeah. So get, so get this. I come from obviously a burlesque background, right? Which means like you're not necessarily working in strip clubs. You're working in bars or, or other venues and you're getting close to naked. I very often get fully naked. It's just, I can't help myself. I love being naked. But a couple of years back, I get this offer from a club that's outside of the downtown core of Toronto. And I go, oh, I what the fuck is out here? Is this a big club or not? They said, we want you to come in and, and do your show. Okay, great. I'll be, I'll be there for sure. Yeah. Okay, great. We agreed on rates. We agreed on getting me travel back and forth. Gorgeous. I'm mm -hmm. in. I get to the club with all my burlesque gear and I've got a USB with three songs on it. And they wanted three separate costumed looks. Three. I get to the club and I walk in the door and it's a fucking strip club. There's the pool, <laughs> there's the curtain champagne room. I walk in and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm doing tonight. Okay. And there had been flyers made and none of this in all of the preamble leading up to it did I think I was going into a strip club. I love strip clubs. I go to them all the fucking time. I think they're a great way to end a great date. Let's go to the strip club. But I get there and the music was immediately an issue. I don't know how strippers do it three song sets are you kidding me oh yeah and that's just like a, a house dancer the features we got to do fucking five plus sometimes imagine being on stage 20 30 minutes no no because <laughs> in the rest, you go out for a three minute and 30 second song so i showed up at this you know gorgeous looking strip club it was beautiful it was very poorly attended and i'm getting ready for my one song the dj was not having that Everyone agreed there must have been some confusion. You're doing three songs. That's, that's what, you know, you're doing for your three sets. Three yeah. songs each time. Holy shit. I had the best time ever. I got out there and I immediately, I got naked way too fast. I'll be honest. That was such an amateur mistake. I'm used to the three minute format. But I went out there and I had the best time ever because I'm a show pony. Mm -hmm. If I have a spotlight on me, I'm like, let's keep rolling. So look, I am not here saying that it was any kind of quality performance, but I was having a good time. I think that's the secret. I mean, even from the house dancer days, I talked to a lot of random, because I was never that great on the pole necessarily, but I've heard from a lot of guys, they care more if you look like you're into it. Like yeah. if you're happy and you're putting on a show and you're smiling and you're interacting, like I feel like that's, those are the great features. Like Ray was saying, you like jiggle your boobs in their face and she comes out in like custom outfits every time and her music matches like her outfit sometime. Totally. But you mentioned like the different kinds of clubs, because sometimes we get surprised walking into a club like they're they're full nude topless clubs that we can't even interact with people even if we're the feature you gotta sit like 
uh, six feet away. Ray and I were both at a club not too long ago that was very restrictive on music. Some clubs, they tell the features what we can dance to. Ray, what's kind of your experiences on this kind of stuff? Right? Do you have favorite clubs to go to, least favorite clubs to go to? Yeah, people ask me that a lot. Um, and it's so hard to pick because I really feel like there's pros and cons of all of them because it's like some of them, it's just the club is really beautiful, but maybe they don't have a great crowd or some of them made a ton of money, but not really on stage or like whatnot, you know, some of them, you know, it's kind of slow, but the staff was amazing. You know, I don't know. There's always, there's always pros and cons. There's never like, you know, one, but, um, in general, I really, really love a club that has um, a good, I call it like a tipping culture, but like for the stage. So I love, you know, dancing on stage and being covered in money and swimming in money. <laughs> and I fucking love it. And so as a club, like I, you know, I'm happy to give private dances. Um, I see it as like an art as well, but I really feed off of the stage shows. So mm -hmm. like I could do that. I could make all the money on stage. Just throw it all on me. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really nothing like it. Honestly, I, I, I don't know who wouldn't like that feeling. Honestly. Right. Yeah. Well, sometimes I get customers, they'll be, they'll, they'll hand you a 20 or something or hand you the bill and they'll say, I didn't, I didn't want to throw it on. Like they feel like it's disrespectful <laughs> somehow, which is funny to me. Cause I'm like, the, to get where they're coming from like i see the the viewpoint um but yeah you know, no, go, you know you're in a strip club right <laughs> right we could have wadded up i'm not a big fan of the ones who like wadded up into a ball and just start hucking them at you no that's yeah. a little rude that is that's too much that's too far like a cooter ball or something like sometimes these club play games where you're trying to catch money into like a bucket or some shit but if it's not that don't just fucking huck wadded up shit at me no yeah exactly then it's you have this like extra work at the end <laughs> uncrumpling it all what it is too a lot of people forget that like a lot of us strippers and like even features are often we're counting our own money sometimes so like if you're wadding that shit up think about the work she has to do and like get mm -hmm. it together and Which that's what Thinking about. I love counting my own money though. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It is a good, it's a good experience. It, is. I, I just, it just feels so good. I'm like one, <laughs> two, like, oh, yes. <laughs> Soaking it all in three. Like, oh, I could do this forever. Good thing there's a big pile. <laughs> it is a good feeling though, counting the cash at the end of the night. Oh, yeah. I'm so tempted to ask about embarrassing moments. Oh Lord. From us or from the customers? I want to hear some from the <laughs> I mean, either, but like everyone has embarrassing moments yeah. in, in onstage shows and there's nothing more chilling than when you're trying to do something sexy, <laughs> you're trying to, to make someone aroused or, you know, interested, whatever it might be. It's like, if you're trying to be sexy and you have an embarrassing moment, that's a hard thing to recover from. You just gotta laugh. Like I've fallen on stage more times than I can count in like my little stripping career. Like sometimes you just it just happens. <laughs> Those are big shoes, y'all. And every once in a while, a foot goes under. My my trick is just to go straight down. If I'm ever gonna fall, <laughs> fall straight down is the best yeah. way to do it. And then laugh. I'm a big laugher at my stupid mistakes. And then sometimes they feel bad for you. <laughs> they give you more money. 
Uh, I just see an amazing moment where a girl felt disrespected by like a guy at the club. I think like, uh, and she was like a tough broad too. And like, I think he like slapped her ass or did something stupid that you're just not supposed to do. And hey, we know in the strip club, another reason why I'm a big fan of the club life too, is it's one of the few places that if a girl feels disrespected, she can respond in any fucking way that she wants to. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, if you grab a bitch in the strip club, she might hit you and you will get kicked out. Um, but I saw like a guy like, like grab a girl or smack a girl's ass. And she, I think, you know, she was not having it. She was one of those girls. She turned around, did that little, uh, flip thing where you, uh, like get in their laps with your head and you put your legs over their head, like flat like that. She did a little backflip and then pushed him off of his chair until he rolled backwards off of his chair. He was so mad. He got up to try to fight her. She went back on stage and kept dancing and he just got like pulled out. So Yeah, so I've seen strippers, like, kick glasses at guys. But, I mean, I've also seen guys, you know, try to grab a girl, smack a girl, say a comment. But, like, there's nothing more sexy to me than an aggressive stripper who just won't take it anymore. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Sounds like an assassin, a trained assassin, you know? Like, just, like, you know, doing the, 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 the gymnastics to get off the stage and whoop some ass. That's hot. Girl in a thong. You would, you would whoop ass. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I want to hear more stories like that. I know. Rhea, I can't imagine a composed creature like you and an absolutely perfect specimen and performer and talent like you could have an embarrassing moment. Or an aggressive moment. Have you ever had to smack a guy, especially like as a feature? Like has anybody ever come to you in a way that you've had to like come correct? Yeah, actually, yes. Um, For smacking, yes. That was in a private dance. Um, It was a nude club and we started, I'm straddling him. And it's like one of those private rooms where it's like, you know, there's a bunch of booths together and there's one security guard, like kind of watching the whole thing. Right. So the bouncers keeping an eye on everything. It's not like super, super private, but like private from the rest. So I go to give him a dance and I straddle him and (laughs) I go to take off my top right away. And he just immediately like grabs my tits and puts his mouth over my nipple, which I'm already like pretty uncomfortable with and like would have like mitigated myself, but especially without asking, oh, gosh, I never do this. But, <laughs> but the bouncer immediately goes, hey, hey, man, hey. And he comes over to him. He's like, tongue behind the teeth. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh I, I didn't even have to deal with that one. Like he's, he's gonna know. I'm like. I try to mitigate usually by first by body language in the private dances of like, I'd rather tell you like, stop. I'd rather not tell you stop doing that, whatever. I'll give you, you know, one or two chances to kind of like, I'll pull back and like lots of guys will kind of read it and be like, Oh wait, maybe I shouldn't like, I'm going to chill out. So, cause it kind of ruins the vibe a little bit when you're like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> we're pretending like we're doing this, but we're not. So, um, I, I, I kind of lean back and pull away a little. So I turn around. Um, it's a nude club, right? So I'm like, I'm just going to turn around. I stand up in front of him and I go and I lean forward and peel my panties off, like with my head by my toes, right? The second my panties get past my butt cheeks, his tongue darts <gasps> forward onto my vagina, <laughs> my fucking vulva. He licks my pussy right there. <laughs> and I, I jumped in the air and turned around and I did my, this is what I do when someone like really crosses a boundary at the strip club. I just go, no, like a dog with my pointer finger. No, no. 
Wow. Mm, you're a bad man. <laughs> and then you rolled up a newspaper and smacked him on the face. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was like that time. I've known a couple people. I've known when, um, <laughs> with the finger. <laughs> um, <laughs> when people recycle their tips. Oh, is that a big pet peeve of mine? So that's when people are this, uh, at the tip rail, right? They maybe threw 10, 20 bucks in ones, right? And then when they think you're not looking, they just take it back off the stage. Or even worse, they only threw like $1 or something. And then they take the other people's and they, and then, oh. and then they hold it out. Like you want to like, oh, she's going to want to come over for these few bucks, you know, <laughs> like holding it out, like come do something special for me, honey, you know? So I'll definitely give them the big old finger wagging, like, no, definitely. <laughs> bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuckers, I love that so much. That some people love that too. Half the time they come in to be scolded. There was a guy who come into the club when I was a house dancer all the time to literally just have one of the girls kick him in the nuts in VIP. So she'll do it, but that's what he came in for. Mm-hmm. Sure, the kinky, like, random, like seemingly random kinky stuff is always so much fun. Yeah, yeah. it's unpredictable in many ways, isn't it? You can't, you can't look at someone and say that's what their thing is, but they reveal themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right? super true. Yeah. And the other thing is like um, a lot of times the guy might come in. Sometimes they're shy about it because they might be a little embarrassed because it's a fetish or something. And that's why they're in there in the first place, just like on cam. Um, and then it's like you're, for me, sometimes I'm relieved. I'm like, oh, that's so fun. That's so interesting. That's so different. Like the feet guys or something. You know, yeah. they want to like, Hey, can I pay you your dance price? And I actually, I would really love to massage your feet. I'm so sorry. If, I'm so sorry if that's weird. Like I understand some girls hate it. Like I don't, I don't want to come off as rude or anything. And I'm like, did you just ask to pay to give me a massage? Yes. Okay. I've seen guys like go and actually like brush a girl's hair. <laughs> Swear to God. Very interesting. That's so, yeah. yeah. I love that's, it. I, that's, I, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think like a huge part of like the, the energy and the vibe of each stripper is not only like their outfits, but even more so like the songs they like to dance to. That's always a big fetish of mine. Like I said, I, I feel like I've discovered some of the best music in the clubs or I've heard things first. Like I heard like fucking Bodak Yellow from Cardi B for the first time in a strip club as a feature and I was like this is how it's supposed to be yes. uh, and it just I heard Lovage for the first time in the club I love that band check them out you'll like have sex to them so I'm always curious about people like what are your favorite songs to dance to and what songs have you discovered in the club both of you right shoot <laughs> um so I like rock like we discussed before kind of heavier sounds um that's what I feel the most sexy dancing to for sure. But I do craft my routines. So I do the feature routines and it's like a 20 minute set or so. So it's like four or five songs all mashed together. And I try really hard to make the whole thing be on theme at least somewhat and to sound good together. So that is like an agonizing process to create (laughs) to begin with. It's like, you know, one of those love hate relationships, but I love doing it, but it's also like, how do I do it? But then it just clicks. Anyway, it, they kind of, usually they're, they're rock. They're usually rock. Um, 
And then, but you know, they'll kind of weave through. It's also an extra challenge uh, to choose songs that fit your theme. And when I say theme, I'm talking about like I do, you know, I have a nun show, I have a cop routine, you know, all that stuff. So, and I have props and stuff to go with it as well. So I'm trying to find something that I feel sexy to dancing to yeah. that fits the theme, but also is appropriate enough for the strip club in the sense that like, it's not going to be totally weird, you know? Mm -hmm. like you have to think about the clientele and stuff. It's like, okay, our guy's gonna be like running away. Like, you know, <laughs> I love like, some songs are super sexy that I'll dance to alone at home or like even on cam, cause it's a different vibe. Slow, sexy, you know, like um, glory box or something. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's so sexy, but like, if I'm gonna do that at a strip club, I need to bring, like there needs to be a part of that routine that like, everyone stops and is looking, you know, like you have to really like think about it in that sense. So it's different a little bit. So I try to go for high energy. I really, really love, um, seven nation army. Oh yeah. Um, Ooh, good song. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I just, the bass, I think in that. Yes. Song. Ooh, so yeah. I do have an army girl routine starts out with that. It's just like, Oh, it's just, it's just sex to me. That song. I mean, it should be music that you want to fuck to or makes you feel highly uh, uh fuck crazy stir crazy you know like regardless if i'm taking my clothes off on a stage i don't care what the venue is if i'm getting naked on a stage i know that i want a song that's going to stand out i want something that's going to cut through and going to capture the room because yeah. truth be told i'm not always the most technical performer but i like to create a big bang of an experience so for me like when people hear prince Mm. sexy when you hear prince you immediately i don't know what it is i mean obviously it's just the power of, of prince you immediately feel like you start dry humping whatever you're sitting on like that's that reaction um i also think that going with really well-known songs is actually a good thing i was i mean i was raised to always know the number one hits of artists right so if i'm going to go into a club and i know the demographic is a little bit older uh i know that if i come out and do a rolling stones song they'll get down to this shit because yeah. this is what they like and if you go with a hit more people feel embraced by it because look it's it's hard to avoid a hit a catchy song no it's true that was actually an interesting advice that i, I read before that a stripper said that like it, you know it's great to dance to songs that you really love but uh it's important to read the club and if everybody knows that song people might be a little bit more inclined so i do like that that mixture between the two. Like I like to kind of throw random shit in there, but man, like when you throw like a nine inch nails or a oh, yeah. in the strip club, everybody's going to know that, be into that. Like closer should be played in every strip club at least once a night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, there's, there's nothing like that, that deep guttural bassy yumminess. That's what I think. I think if you get enough bass at a certain volume, it produces vaginal moisture. I don't know if you agree entirely, but sometimes if you get a song and it's just so pulsing in the bass, I start like, there's like, I'll feel the bass working my whole like fuck organs and it starts to drool. I mean, that's why I'm so inclined to rock, though, because rock to me is like sexy strip club fuck music. Like, huh. I love a guitar. Bass is great. But when I hear like some fucking guitar, I just want to whip my hair. Drums, like, oh, oh yeah. Like, rock and roll is made, is made, rock and roll celebrates that letting yourself go and being 
completely impulsive. So when you hear rock and roll, that's why it goes so well with sex, rock and roll and sex and nudity, all these things, like you put all that together and it's like, holy shit, it's a full body experience. So yeah, rock and roll will always be an essential for strip clubs, hands down, 100%. Yeah, for me personally, yeah. Yeah, but it's sexy. I mean, I, I do think, cause it's not pop music now, mm. nowadays, you know what I mean? It's right. like pop took that spot like it used to be alternative right kind of you know it was like the rock was like the alternative kind of crazy music right yeah. and then now it's more hip-hop like is that and so I feel like when I come I am in the fortunate position to be the feature so I have my own sets made so I don't really like I don't feel pressure to use the same kind of music that club plays. So yeah. a lot of times clubs will play they'll they'll usually play a variety. Most of them play a variety. So they have a mixture. But I notice it's more more hip hop, more R&B, more sometimes pop-ish, you know, electronic a little bit. But um rock is usually the minority. It depends on the club. But I'm on an idea to mostly rock. So I usually get feedback from people like, damn, I loved your music. I wish the other girls danced that. And I feel bad because I'm like, they probably, like some of them probably would if it got a better reception or if, <laughs> or if the club let them or whatever. Um, but yeah. Here's, I, my, I, here's my problem with people wanting to, I mean, look, there's, there's music today. Yes, the top trending shit is a lot of hip hop, a lot of it, which is great. And it sounds amazing. And I love listening to it. But there's also a, a lack of intensity in some of the music. And mm -hmm. I need that intensity. And so for me, I get that from classic rock or classic anything. Like it, you go to classic R&B, you can still feel that. You can get that from James Brown, you know what I mean? But I need that intensity on stage. And so much of today's music is just like, come on. Yeah, I just yeah. want to see a girl vibing to her shit. Like I used to know a couple of girls that would dance to only reggae. And it just, it was so different, but it was yeah. their vibe. They knew how to move to it. They felt it. I'm like, as long as you feel your fucking music. Have a vibe. Yeah, just have a vibe. Have a yeah. vibe, baby. And yeah. Raya, I wanted to ask you, uh, really talk to you more about, like, you're one of those people that is kind of revolutionary before this whole performer content revolution really happens. Uh, you're a girl that's become so popular who has never taken dick on camera, but you have a very high social media following. I don't know, did I out you? Sorry. No dick Yakarea. You have a huge social media following. You're a, a, a decorated feature dancer. You have a YouTube channel that has more followers than mine, as it should. And it's like, I wanted to talk about how did you uh, start combining those avenues? And is it really, is it really everything is together? Because you, you vlog while you're on feature dancing trips. And then you cam sometimes when you're on those trips. So is it nonstop? Is it all connected? When did you start connecting all of it? Yeah, I mean, before I mentioned doing too much, so <laughs> here's your answer. Um, <laughs> no, but I started as as a house dancer, and um, I started. So actually, when I started house dancing, I had also just heard about webcaming, and I had like it was on my radar as something cool. But I had graduated from university, and I had thought that I was going to go back to grad school soon, and get a master's degree and yada yada. So I was like, okay, I might want this professional life. Strip clubs are anonymous. I'm gonna start there, um, you know, whatever. But so I started at the strip club, but I started an Instagram not too long after, you know, like a year or so after and started promoting 
being at the club before any strippers had it like it was kind of the more of the beginning i mean you know i'm sure someone somewhere had one but it really wasn't a thing like the big things on instagram were bikini baristas and cam girls had instagrams and they would promote their cam so i was really inspired by that and i was like i'm gonna do that but for the club so i would do that all the time and like you know try to bring people in you know post pictures <laughs> all that stuff with social media so then it got to the point where i built up and i had like a hundred thousand instagram followers and that was like my first any sort of audience right because i was just a stripper how would anyone know me but just through instagram and then i'm like okay it's time i'm gonna do it it's now or never i'm gonna start camming I'm already kind of put myself out there, even though I told myself I wasn't, <laughs> you know, I'm out there as a stripper. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then, um, like, I, I realized that I would probably not regret trying it. I realized that I would most likely regret not trying it. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I leveraged my audience, started camming, did fairly well on cam. Um, initially just because I had grown an audience, like everything is kind of like strategically, um, you know, like stepping stones is how I've done it. So I was still, then I was still doing the strip club, which definitely improved even more after that. Cause I started getting a little bit more like, oh, she cams or she's on this or whatever, like this and that. So it was kind of like this thing where they both played off of each other. Like, um, people on camera, like, oh, you're actually not that far. I can drive to your club and see you and like get a dance from you. And then like, you know, people in the club were like, wow, I can watch you like bang yourself online. Like, cool. You know, so it's kind of like the speeding of each other. Um, and I've just kind of continued to do that. Like, you know, then, then I started Twitter, like, okay, Twitter needs to happen. You know, a Snapchat started doing a private Snapchat and then started doing more well, I did videos right away, but like kind of upped my video game, like more, more quality content, 4k content. So now I do all the self-produced stuff, which is so popular now. Um, because it can be like, it's so easy. It's at your fingertips now. I mean, it's not easy. Let me rephrase easy to put out the steps, but you know, it is a lot of work, but yeah. Yeah. Where did Sunshine TV come into play? Cause your YouTube channel is like a big thing. You have intros, like you bring your camera everywhere. Like you take it seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it started, it actually started right when I moved away from the Bay area. So I camped for the first year, still danced at the club. And it was kind of this launching point where I'm like, I'm tired of this place. I lived in the Silicon Valley. Um, it was just very expensive for what I was getting to me. It was boring. So I'm like, I might as well live somewhere with better, better weather. So I decided to hit the road. <laughs> I lived in LA for a little bit and it was just kind of a nomad all over the States until, um, at the end of the year. And that's when I started my channel. Cause I'm like, I'm going to document it. I'm going to do this, do that. And like, you know, it grew slowly, but like a lot of people don't even know that that's like kind of was my first like thing on YouTube. Right. Um, and I finally landed in, in Miami and got so tired of moving. And I'm like, the weather is amazing. It was like November. So it's like the start of the perfect season here. I'm like, I'm just going to stay here. And so I move, I, I, I live in Miami now <laughs> and I have a YouTube channel. Yeah. That's a big deal for you though. Like I see like every single trip she goes on, she has her little HD camera. She's like introing, outroing, editing all that yeah. together. Like you said, it's not easy. It's very time consuming and it has to be something that like you put a lot of your heart into and that you actually enjoy if you're going to be doing it at all. I give you a lot of credit for it. Those are really well shot videos while you're in the middle of doing a feature dance show or camming. Like that's a lot of nonstop ray of sunshine. 
Wow. Nonstop sunshine. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, I get help with some of the filming and editing and stuff, obviously, especially when it looks good, when it's like on stage. Um, no, off no offense to any of the bouncers who like, you know, held it for me like quickly, like while they're also like grabbing my money. But <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I do have some help there, but it's, I mean, it's kind of like a labor of love. It sounds sounds cheesy but i love it and like even from the beginning the youtube wasn't to make money on youtube um it was like to grow the brand because i don't have like you know i don't have experience in we'll say quote unquote porn because that's kind of in the industry that's what we call it right that's how we differentiate um like shooting with a studio i mean studio versus like your own independent content right yeah. even though and even though it's like you know you know, I, I consider myself doing porn, but like when we're in this kind of conversation, I would say I don't do porn Yeah, <laughs> so, because I don't, because I own all the content essentially. And it's, it's shot at home, right. Or wherever at a girl's house or whatever. So, um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. I didn't have like the audience. <laughs> I didn't have the audience. I always wonder, I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm like, how did they go on that tangent and remember so quickly? <laughs> but yeah it's like i knew like, it helps the platform like basically like that's like my strategy it's like everything helps everything else and it just kind of like feeds off of each other so i don't have like you know i don't have as much exposure from brands like a porn brand because right. they're not paying me to do their stuff because i want to own it all greedy <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so then I got to do it myself, you know? I mean, smart. Nowadays, they want your home shot content anyway. So it's either you give it away or keep it. So and that's all. Yeah, that's we're watching it evolve right now. Yeah, now. yeah. Like, that's, that's going to be changing. People are going to realize that homemade content is where it's at. Yeah. I've been, yeah. What do you two think about that? Do you think that's going to change the industry a lot? Like now that we're quarantined? Massively. I mean, yeah, I mean, at least in terms of like people I think are realizing how independent they can be and like people who weren't shooting content are all of a sudden like they're forced to and some of them are realizing not how easy it can be, but that they are capable of doing so if they try and if they study up a little bit, play with their cameras and their microphones and their ring light, like you can shoot a pretty good looking solo yourself or how valuable webcamming can be. Right. A few years ago, like, you know, porn stars would be like, I'm not going to webcam. Be like, why? Those girls are making more money than you. And it's so, so I do think there is this little bit more of a piece in between because we always talk about the term sex worker and how that's very controversial to a lot of people. Some people don't like because, like, strippers are like, I'm not a porn star. And a porn star is like, well, I'm not an escort. And an escort's like, well, I'm better than all of you. And it's like, <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, we all are kind of doing very similar work to a degree now. And there's become less of like a hierarchy in a way to, you know, insults or one's better, one's worse. We're all kind of doing a degree of sex work, whether or not you agree with the term. And it's fucking thriving right now. So if you're not taking advantage of this, you're kind of on the wrong side of history, in my humble opinion. Right. I mean, there's so many opportunities to dip a toe in what this umbrella of sex work is that I'm sure a lot of people would do well at and realize that they don't need to go whatever distance it is in their mind that they think comes along with sex work. I mean, like, it's becoming such a regular thing. Just being in quarantine, the amount of people signing up for OnlyFans, 
the amount of people turning to that opportunity to be making their money. I mean, especially every girl I know who's out of a strip club job, OnlyFans, 100%. But other people too, not just like striptease artists, not just, uh, you know, hot bottle service girls. Other people are getting them as well. People that don't have any experience in it whatsoever. I hope this means we see a change, perhaps in public opinion. I don't know. Right, and stigma. Like all these articles that are coming out, and apparently OnlyFans got a fifty percent bump in April because of all the traffic going on. Beyonce did a shout out of OnlyFans, and so Ray, would you ever you? So you can never see yourself shooting for another company. Like there's no reason for you to shoot porn for somebody else ever. I mean, I never say never. I mean, make me an offer that I can't refuse. Like, come on, people. <laughs> but but other than that, it doesn't make sense. For me, I think, because I have like started, um, you know, just developing more of a name and an audience. And it's like, that's kind of, I feel like that's pretty much the main thing a company could give me. And I really value owning the content. Yeah. Um, I think just because I always have, it's like, why give it up at this point? Right. Yeah. So you'll be a cam girl content creator, exotic dancer for life? For life, yeah. Grant, I have this joke with uh, some of my members, my chat room, Grandma Snaps. You know, they have it. They're like subscribed for like 20 years. <laughs> but wait, here's, here's one that I'm curious about though, Rhea. What were you in school for? Like before all of this, what the hell were you studying? What were you going for a master's for? Psychology. Psychology oh, wow. dance. I actually did study dance the whole time too. So um, yeah, yeah. It's perfect for this kind oh, of yeah. I'm a I'm super like psych minded. Yeah. Yeah. When and I it's like um yeah. I don't know. I think intuitively, I already knew a lot of the stuff that maybe helps with like strip clubs and working with people and stuff. Like it kind of comes naturally to me. That's like that's like my strength. That's like my superpower. Maybe is like sensitivity and just like kind of really understanding people. But um, it's just an experience of college that really like opened me up. And so even though I have a degree in psychology that I don't use, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like hard to say if I would have done what I did if I didn't go to college. Right. No, like, I, 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 I'd be open-minded enough to like take the plunge into adult work. I don't know. I love I mean, that. Go to college, kids. You too may end up in adult entertainment. That's right. Go to college so you can be a porn star. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, independent financially and literally, there could be way worse things you could be. I mean, adult entertainment is one of the few jobs that still stayed employable throughout this situation. So Exactly. I yeah, no, obviously we think there's nothing wrong with it. No, I would say strippers would make a bet. Strippers make better psychologists than psychologists would make strippers. Think about that. <laughs> Makes sense. Completely. So I, I'm saved because I, I stripped first. So even if I go and like get my license, I'll be like <laughs> a stripper at heart. Oh, uh, hey, great negotiation skills. Yeah. Great people skills, keep them talking. I always joke that like stripping and camming is great if you're just a talker, even if you're not a good talker, just ramble. Like as long as you keep them busy, keep that time going. <laughs> Half the time all they want is company. Yeah. Yeah. Don't we all? I do. I know you guys are happy in your quarantine homes. I'm, I need that company. <laughs> Like this. I mean, that's, that's like the introvert's dream that like I can interact with people on like a beautiful basis and then just shut my laptop in a few minutes. 
right? There's no awkward, I'm going to get out of here, guys. I'm going to have to drive home. <laughs> exactly. So, Rhea, where can everybody find you online? Where are all your links? Everywhere on the internet, reasroom.com is my website. So that's always updated as like a home base in case any handles change. But Instagram and Twitter is at Rhea, R-E-Y-A, two underscores, sunshine. The two underscores is a, is a killer. I would have never done that. Never again. Never again. <laughs> um, let's see. YouTube, Rhea Sunshine TV. OnlyFans, Rhea Sunshine. All that stuff. If you, yeah, you'll find me. Hell yeah. You find her everywhere. No kidding. No kidding. Rhea, thank you so, so much for today. It was so lovely to see you. Thank you both. I'm seriously such big fans of both of you. I love you both so much. Thanks for hanging out with me, you guys. This is so much fun. We should just do this for funsies. I'll be right over, okay? Okay. (laughs) I love it we're all in different parts of the world right now, which people don't know. There's there's Florida, there's Canada, there's California. Yeah. But we make a good triangle, okay? I love us. It's Let's a make a pyramid next time we see each other. We'll, like, we'll meet Raya in Miami whenever X-Biz, the, the CAM Awards, is rescheduled. Ooh. We'll make a human pyramid. Can I be at the bottom? <laughs> yeah, wherever you want. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> awesome. Well, this was wonderful. It was so good seeing you, Raya, once again. Please take care of yourself. Love you. Thank you. Love you. Bye, Raya Sunshine. Bye, Raya. Bye.